THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Ha-cha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 517 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. Nerds, my name is Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's pre-Valentine's Day episode, we're reviewing eight of Wednesday, February 6th, new comics with spotlight reviews on Red Sonja number one and Daredevil number one. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're going to hit you with our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally... We jump across the pond to jolly old England to check in with stately Lord Fungus. But before we pile on the fall of Emperor Bill Belichick and his apprentice Darth Brady, I hope the Rams win because we're recording this Saturday. Yeah, those basketballers really get my goat. Oh, Joey, you sweet, beautiful bastard. Why don't we just talk about this week's nerd news? Hey, DC has added... Thousands of new comic book titles to the DC Universe subscription service in what the company says will, quote, more than double the total available titles by the end of March. Okay, does it make any sense? Or did they just, like, dump another garbage bag? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 50-50. This week, the publisher will be adding the Rebirth-era action comics, the new 52 Batman, Batman Incorporated, uh, the recent War of Jokes and Riddles Batman arc, a bunch, of stu- a bunch of stuff. Flashpoint, uh, that's fun. Flashpoint, Gotham Central. That's cool. Uh, uh, the Omega Men, Alan Moore Swamp that's Thing. That's fun. That's super fun. Superman for All Seasons. Okay, and is it the whole thing, though? Is it the yeah, whole thing? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think so. I haven't say, logged in to check. They say we're adding stuff. Yeah. But that just means there here is some of that stuff. Well, they add some every week. So, like, you remember when we first talked about it, I was mad that, like, it only had something like 26 issues of Starman right. and not consecutive. Yeah. Like there were gaps. That's what I'm afraid of here. They've gone back though since in the weeks prior or after that and filled in those gaps. So, I mean, it's a okay. process, I guess. I'm fine. But I haven't gone to check whether or not it's like, here's Alan Moore's entire run of Swamp Thing. Right. Because that's what people want. Yes. Yes. If you're going to do it, do the whole thing, and I'll revisit it. That's interesting. Yeah, like, I understand if they can't put in put up, like, all 150-plus issues of that volume of Swamp Thing. Sure. But give us the entire Alan Moore run. Well, and there's no reason why you can't do Superman for all seasons, for right. example. That's, like, four fucking issues. Right, and there's absolutely no excuse to have, like, one issue of Dark Knight Returns up there. Right. And I haven't gone to check if that's it's been stupid. If that's been fixed yet. And I, it's still, I, I still don't think it's worth it. Currently, it's only available in the U.S. for $7.99 a month or $74.99 annually, which breaks down to like $2 a month or something. I don't yeah, know. that math checks the out. The app is available on browsers as well as apps for several platforms, including iOS, Amazon Fire TV, Android, Apple TV, Android TV, and Roku. Finally! No, this is all from the start. It like, wasn't before. Yeah, no, remember? No, no, it was. I thought you couldn't watch. No, some of it you had to, you, it was not available on your TVs. Yes, it was available on Apple TV. And and iOS and Android devices and also on Roku. But what they didn't have was like an app for the Xbox or an app for the right. PlayStation, right. which they said is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing's been out four months, and they are adding they are adding more fun stuff like the like uh, Jeff Johns' JSA, Grant Morrison's Animal Man. So okay, they're they're making an effort. They're and, giving it a try. And more than and more than double is a lot. 
But <laughs> sure is. They got a long way to go before it's even close to what Marvel Unlimited offers. I will say though, my wife and I got a Roku uh, recently uh, to replace our decrepit <laughs> Apple TV, and uh, it works great on the Roku. Boom. Boom! Do you want me to hack your Roku device for you? Uh, we can hack the hell out of it. See yeah. me after the show. Hack it up. <laughs> Speaking of TV, Joe Patrick, Stumptown has been optioned for a TV series. Writer Greg Rucka and artist Matthew Southworth's creator-owned Oni Press title, Stumptown, is being adapted for television with a pilot in development at ABC. Boo. According to The Hollywood Reporter. Why boo? Because I don't get excited about this stuff on regular television anymore. Yeah, but Stumptown was not like super gritty, mature reader's crap. But it was gritty and mature enough. There were curse yeah. words and stuff, and I would like to see her speak with her patented filthy mouth that she has. I don't recall it being... Oni Press, I don't recall it being like that. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. It was definitely adult. She had a filthy mouth. Mm. She was a drunk. She had a brother that... Sure, she was yeah. a drunk, yes, but... I don't want to see this on ABC, and I don't want to see some beautiful woman playing her on ABC either. It's I think ridiculous. you're mis... I think you're misremembering how gritty Stumptown was. I'm not saying that it was like hardcore, but I wanted. It's to, not like it's not like R-rated. I wanted to be what it was. I don't want it dumbed down for ABC when you can do it the right way on FX or. We don't know that it's going to be dumbed down. Nah. If it's going to be on national TV on ABC, yes, it will. They can't do half of what they do on cable. They can't. Take, look Once again, it's about oh, it's a down to earth story about a. Private investigator solving normal ass crimes in Portland. When was the last time a show that was adapted from a comic book came to ABC, NBC, Fox, or CBS, and you were happy with it? The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow. Those are on the CW. Black Lightning, and that is no, something- that's network TV as well. I mean, that's, that's fine. Basic. But- Network date television. Those do not come from any type of like adult geared material at all. Those are definitely all age material stuff, except for Arrow, who was murdering people for some reason. What I'm saying is, yeah, in a we've fun got way. we've got these amazing new shows that are appearing on YouTube and Hulu, and they are exactly what they need to be. They're not going to be able to do the same thing on ABC. They're not. They're going to dumb it down. They're going to put a beautiful woman in there. They probably won't even let her have a handicapped brother because that's a little too edgy. I, I well, don't. all right. Instead of like ranting about this before we've even seen one second of the pilot, why don't you describe what the book actually is? According to The Hollywood Reporter, inspired by the Oni Press's graphic novels. No, it's comics. The drama follows Dex Parios. Oh God, calm down, a strong. A, I just hate it when they do that. A strong, assertive, and unapologetically sharp-witted army veteran working as a PI in Portland with a complicated personal history and only herself to rely on. She solves other people's messes with a blind eye toward her own. She's a mess. That was what was great about the character. She is a mess, and I just don't trust ABC to get this right. When was the last time you watched any sort of drama on ABC? I can't because they're all fucking terrible. There's nothing on ABC I want to watch. Literally. Like, that, that network is full of shows with characters that are a mess. Like, and they don't, like... Like Jag. That's <laughs> not ABC. Is that CBS? Yes. I don't know. That's a- CBS, which is TV for old people. A- I thought ABC was TV for old people, too. No. Yeah? What is on there? Name one show. I don't even know. The Big Bang Theory? Is that on there? No. Oh, I don't know. Uh, we can't name a single CBS Yes, show. I can. Okay. Uh, 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 uh. All right. Fox. Scandal. <laughs> How to get away with Moida? <laughs> okay. Those are shows for black people, Joe. Come on. Oh, calm down. <laughs> like, there's no reason to believe that this is going to be bad. Rucka and Southworth are involved. I hope and so. And you've got this picture in your head that Southworth, uh, Southworth, that Stumptown is this like 
hard edged gritty comic. And no, it's not. I don't. It absolutely was not. But I wanted to be what it was. I really liked that book a lot. I right now we are getting comic book adaptations like Deadly Class that are masterfully wonderful. I don't know if you've seen up to through the third episode. I haven't seen the third. The episode. show is incredible. Sure, and I can't believe what they're doing on it. It's so great. And I just don't trust major network TV to get it that good. NBC aired three seasons of Hannibal. And it, yeah, and that was an exception. I will give you that. That show was too beautiful for this world, and they canceled it. God, that show was amazing. You can't have it both ways. In movie news, Ben Affleck has stepped down as Warner Brothers' Batman. This Warner Bros. Batman. Like, didn't, wasn't this rumored like a year ago? No, no. Everyone was like, nope, as far as we know, Affleck's still involved. Yeah. Uh, now, this is coming just as writer-director Matt Reeves' The Batman has been given a release date of June 25th, 2021. I think it's been retitled to A Batman. A Batman. Yeah, until they have a Batman, they can't call it the Batman. <laughs> it's, so. it's, I think it's a Batman. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, Batman? <laughs> According to Deadline, Affleck, quote, knew he wasn't the right one for this particular version of Batman, despite being the project's original director and co-writer with Jeff Johns. Reeves is currently casting for a new younger actor to play Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Reeves also offered new details of the project, including how the film will differ from previous takes on Batman on film and how it could fit with other DC movies. Here's a quote. It's very much a point of view driven noir Batman tale. It's told very squarely on his shoulders, and I hope it's going to be a story that will be thrilling but also emotional. Uh, Me it's too. a story about Batman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this is again uh, talking to the Hollywood Reporter. The news is there is no news. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's more Batman in his detective mode than we've seen in the films. The comics have a history of that. He's supposed to be the world's greatest detective, and that's not necessarily been a part of what the movies have been, Reeves continued. I'd love this to be one where when we go on that journey of tracking down the criminals and trying to solve a crime, it's going to allow his character to have an arc so that he can go through a transformation. So Into Batman, a real bat. So Batman yeah. as a detective, he's right. That is something no, that I mean, we've yeah. never really seen in the That's movies true. before. I mean, we, we got a little bit of it in the Nolan ones where he's dusting for prints and stuff like that, but nothing. Sure, but nothing no. like what we get in the comics. Uh, but now here is the interesting thing. Okay. As for what the film will actually be called, I like uh, Batman. Yeah. Uh, and its place alongside other planned DC movies, it's still a work in progress. Reeves said, right now I'm involved in the Batman. What it will be called, ultimately, I don't know. Aquaman is going to be very different from the Todd Phillips Joker movie, and that's going to be different from Shazam and Harley Quinn. Warners believes they don't have to try to develop a giant slate that has to have all the plans for how it's going to connect. Uh-huh. What we need to try and do is make good movies with these characters, meaning they tried to shove it down our throats yep. in two movies. And we all barfed it up. And now they're like, you know what? Maybe we can just tell a Batman story and not worry about right. how it ties they're, into they're Suicide Squad. finally admitting, look, we're yeah. not Marvel, and we can't do it the Marvel way. I mean, they could do it the Marvel way, but they don't think they've got 10 years to do it. No. They should have started a while ago. Right. But I think that's actually kind of a good move. Like, it's, I'm fine with... like. I don't I know, think they have a choice. I know that you didn't like the movie, but um, I'm fine with the way Aquaman handled its presence in the DCU. No, One I'm, offhanded remark. Yeah, I'm fine with that, too. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's me. Like, like these characters can live in the same universe without being constantly linked together. Right. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> and you can go as far as to have somebody show up for a small part of the film or whatever, and that's fine. It doesn't have to do it the Marvel way, and they can't because they never built up 
that history and that love for the characters. Yeah, yeah. They I'm didn't, fine uh, if you just want to do one-off movies with these characters. But when we have three different Jokers running around, what's going on there? Like, are well, we going to have again, a Suicide Squad Joker, a Batman Joker, and then a Joker Joker in his own movie? If they're just telling independent stories, I'm fine with it. If Todd Phillips's movie is a is a period piece set in the 80s, it's totally unconnected. Fine, just it's an Elseworlds Joker movie. I don't care. We, I suppose, al- we allow it in the comics. So I su- what's the difference? Yeah, no, that's true. I suppose, and maybe I just need to think about it more of that way. Right. I do think for like the everyone else, the uninitiated. Sure, right. They're gonna go. Whoa, what right. The hell yeah. Is exactly. This? You know? uh, I think the problem the problem stems from like when they say it's all building to something. Right. It's all connected. Right. And then they fail to deliver on. Well, that. and the other side of it is the uninitiated have been trained by the Marvel movies now that right. yes, yeah, it right. is all connected. Yeah, it's stay, all connected. Stay through the credits and stay through the credits of right. that Joker movie because you don't want to miss the Ben Affleck cameo as and Batman. I think DC is going to suffer for that, whether it's their fault or not. Yeah, I think they kind of got off on the wrong foot, yeah. which we can all agree is true, but. I am a little bit hopeful for what seems like kind of a course correction to their own way of doing things sure. and not trying to copy some other successful Absolutely. model. Absolutely. If you're going to make good movies, please make good movies. Right. right and I now, have high hopes for the Shazam movie, Wonder Woman 2 is coming out. See, and it's funny. I talk to some, I, I do these polls with people at work, basically, that are like, they are my my Petri dish for what the real world thinks. And I just threw a thing out in our movies channel on our Slack. And I was like, what do you guys think of the Shazam trailer? Universally, they were like, this looks stupid. Oh, they don't know. This looks stupid. They don't know what well, they're talking about. but that's just it. You and I are in the fold. We do know. Sure. But these are just people who look at it and go, that's dumb. He looks dumb in the suit. Why is he smiling all the time? What the hell? You know, like, because he's a kid. I think it's going to be tough to sell this. No, I hear that. Um, I also think that maybe the audience for the Shazam movie skews a little bit younger. Could be. Uh, just because of the characters and the subject right. matter. but. Uh, until like do- until like handsome Doctor Savannah punches somebody's head off right. with his superpowers, p- I guess that will be a movie where I dare them to rate it PG. I dare them to. Oh yeah, please, please. do. I yeah, don't need yeah. it to be PG thirteen. No, there's no reason to do that. Absolutely, I have a feeling they will. Definitely. Yeah. Well, because it's gonna have violence. It'll have action violence. It'll have worms uh, killing people. Oh yeah, Mister Mind's gonna Mr. explode Mind. some melons. Yeah. <laughs> That is your nerd news for the week, but we definitively missed a ton more while feverishly trying to cast the new Batman. Joe Patrick, name your actor! Oscar Isaac. Hmm. I don't know, man. Oh, yeah. I like him. No, no. Hold on. Let me see if I can find him. I like him. You just go on. Keep talking. And he's really good. Yep. I just don't know. Why? I don't know. He's charming as hell. He's charming as hell. He'd make an amazing Bruce Wayne, and you know this. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I went a different way. And I went with, I think, the Batman role, right? It shouldn't be somebody super famous. Or mm. somebody we kind of know. No, no, Like, no. Batman is bigger than that. And get somebody to do the role and do it right. I'm saying Josh Hartnett. Remember Josh Hartnett? He's old. He's a little older, but he still looks great. He's huge. He's a big guy. He was fantastic and Penny Dreadful. He was like the cowboy guy that had to come over to Damn. England because he was a werewolf. Spoilers. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's fucking awesome. (laughs) He's good looking. He could pull off Bruce. He could pull off Batman. He's a big intimidating guy. I'd like to see Josh Hartnett do it. No, man. Oscar Isaac. He's going to, he's going to, he's the Michael Keaton choice 
And I think that's what we need. The Michael Keaton choice. Yes. I like that call. Yeah, yeah. Hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover Live every Saturday, where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 1130 to 1230 Central Standard Time. You can also find the show on our YouTube channel if you're like, I don't do no faces book. That stuff's for nerds. You love cover to cover, though. It's a call-in show. Mm -hmm. It's for you. You make the content. And if you don't call in, it's just Joe and I sitting around having weird fights full of pointed personal attacks. Yeah, inside jokes that you guys will (laughs) not understand. So call us at 402-819-4894 or click the Call Now button on our Facebook page. If you can't show up live, leave us a message on our phone number or you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. It's Spotlight Review Time in the Ziggurat, where Joe and I focus our attention on two of this Wednesday's comics. Joe, word on the street is there's a new Daredevil in town. Now the old one was killed dead, and he's never coming back, and he died. Um, <laughs> Tell me all about him. Is he yeah, new? Is he cool? Um, is he a white guy? Is it another white guy? It's another white guy, isn't it? <laughs> it's the same white guy. Uh, what? Yeah. My review is of Daredevil, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto. It's some pages for four ninety nine. It was more than regular size, but it, was, it doesn't. I think it was forty pages. It didn't say on the site. So here's your solicit. It's not really the solicit because the solicit was classified. But here's a brief description. Matt Murdock's life almost came to a tragic end after a traumatic collision left him clinging to life. They used life twice in that sentence. Now, after weeks of intense physical therapy, he has returned to Hell's Kitchen. Weeks of physical therapy, not years. No, just a few weeks. They were intense weeks. Though. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, dude got hit by a truck. Once again, Chip Zdarsky goes off brand and delivers a serious, introspective take on the man without fear. He's doing the Tom Hanks. He's making a shift. Yeah, man, this is his. Is this Chip Zdarsky's Philadelphia? Yes. I don't want to compare this to Charles Soule's run, especially not after just one issue, but Zdarsky basically hits the reset button here, stripping Matt down to basics. A blind man who sees the world from a unique perspective, struggling to reconcile his faith with the violent path he's chosen. Zdarsky tells you everything you need to know about recent events in just a few lines, making this issue a perfect jumping on point. The tone of the script feels similar to the Netflix series, which is a good thing in my book. The show did a great job getting to the heart of the character, and Zdarsky nails it here as well. I also liked how Zdarsky didn't spend a lot of time, or any time really, reestablishing Matt's status as a lawyer or reintroducing the supporting cast. No, just like back to business. This issue focuses on Matt alone, getting inside of his head, following his recent injury, and learning that he may not be as recovered as he thinks. Maybe those weeks should have been a little bit more intense. I guess so. Marco Cicchetto's art in this issue is incredible. Whether it's a seedy bar or an ornate church, Matt Murdock's lavish apartment, or the gritty streets of Hell's Kitchen, Cicchetto fills each panel with amazing scene-setting detail. This issue is full of minor characters, and Cicchetto does a fantastic job giving them all distinct features. You can almost feel every punch and kick of his action scenes. Cicchetto also gives us a subtle redesign of Daredevil's suit with a more baggy fit and wrapped hands instead of gloves it leans more towards a ninja's uniform than a spandex superhero costume yeah uh, Sunny Go's murky color palette is also a perfect complement for Chichetto's moody art moody it's moody <laughs> 
The Daredevil title hasn't been able to hold my interest for a few years now, but Zdarsky seems to have a real feel for the character. Matt Murdock is back on the bottom where he belongs, and I can't wait to watch him try and fight his way back up. Daredevil gets a huge buy it. I also very much liked it. I started off. I started off a little mad, and it wasn't this book's fault. I was still no, no, mad. Yeah, I was just like, well, at the here we go book. again, right? Yeah. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. I mean, we're just gonna jump right back into it after what happened. But then I got to the end, and I was like, well, I don't want to see him suffering from this bullshit that went on in the previous book anyway, either. So I'm glad. I mean, they dealt with it. They did brush it aside a little quick. But I don't mind. We're well, back. I mean, there was the Man Without Fear right. miniseries that we talked about not needing, but I guess we kind of did. Because it did show that time had passed, and he yeah. did go through a healing process. And none of that has anything to do with this book. Yeah. I'm glad that they kind of jumped right back into it. I'm glad your devil's back. I like the way the new suit looks. I'm giving it a buy it as well. All right. Speaking of blind superheroes, let's talk about Red Sonia. Yeah, I thought you were going to say red superheroes, but oh, you know, whatever. You know what? That makes more sense. Red Sonia number one was published by Dynamite Entertainment. It is written by Mark Russell with art by Mirko Kolak. It was 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. No man knows the place of her birth, nor where she learned to wield the sword to shame many a male. They know only that she is called the She-Devil of the Hercunian Steps. That and Red Sonia! Mark, I'm not screaming all that. You heard that last time. Bring a savage tale of metal and blood. A world conqueror possesses a massive army and a fatal prophecy. A bastard sorceress craves revenge. And a fearsome red-headed warrior is made wartime ruler of a homeland set for decimation. Which literally means reduction by a tenth. Yeah, so. reduced by one tenth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we use it wrong all the time. Yep. Okay. Red Sonia has become a violent feminist icon in her comics, thanks to Dynamite letting mostly female creators lift the character from her chesty cheesecake books of yesterday and allowing some very talented creative teams to inject some intelligence into her character. Much to the chagrin of Comicsgate trolls, the experiment has worked, and Sonya titles saw an uptick in sales, and the girls proved they could do anything the boys were doing with this character better. In this new series, Dynamite hands the reins back to a male team, but Russell and Kolak aren't shying away from Sonya's independence or her intelligence. In fact, artist Mirko Kolak gives readers a much more clothed she-devil with a sword than we've seen in quite a while. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty ridiculous that a character like this would just walk around in a bikini all the time. No, of course. And the, like, the old explanation was like, oh, she uses her feminine wiles to get you to look at her boobs when she yeah. stabbed you well, in the yeah. face. And then her, her whole deal was that like she wouldn't stop fighting until she could find a man that could dominate her, yeah, which is like real gross, guys. Just like a wild stallion. Russell's yeah, that you want to fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the whole thing. Cowboys and no horses, right? Yeah. Russell's name has become synonymous with smart comedy after his work on DC's Flintstones and Snagglepuss, both of which are must-reads, but I'm sure you've heard us screaming about those series enough. Here, Russell's smart and snarky sense of humor makes its way into the script, but this Sonya story is far from a comedy. While I love Conan the Barbarian stories, they could become painfully serious and completely dry, making them a bit of a slog. Russell injects just enough humor here so as not to interrupt the feeling of the fantasy, but keep us reading characters we can relate to. Speaking of which, I've always liked the character of Red Sonia, but I can't say I could relate to her. <laughs> Russell's script sets Sonia up as a sort of fish out of water thrust into royalty and dealing with the biggest male ego the realm has ever known. 
Kolak's art here is just exceptional. He's channeling Barry Windsor Smith's Conan and Hal Foster's Prince Valiant. The guy just gets better with every book he puts out. Here, his paneling paired with Dirbala, right? Dirbala. Dirbala Kelly's colors and Hassan Oatsmain El ha- ha- Sorry, I apologize, everybody. dude. Yeah. Hassan, you did a great job. Lettering. Give the book a very Silver Age fantasy feel, but with very modern technique. This was an outstanding first issue with very little swordplay that's setting up a classic scrappy underdog versus a well-armed overlord, and then we know how it's going to end. I couldn't be more excited to read this new Red Sonja series. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Yeah, you know what? I don't really care about Red Sonia, or like historically, I've right. never really cared about Red Sonia. Uh, but I thought this was very good. Like Mark Russell is a writer that has my attention, and when his name popped up on this book, I was like, okay, yeah, this will be fun. Uh, it had a, like a satirical kind of edge to it, which I really liked. And like you said, it had some humor. Uh, it was written in a way that you know you could. It didn't get bogged down in itself, right? And the story was what it was, right? They made it. They laid it out real well. There's this guy, he's a ruler. He believes there's this prophecy that if he stops trying to expand yeah, his he's empire, gotta, he's, he's gonna die. He thinks he's got a divine right to right to everything that he wants. And he's your typical male ego-driven lunatic who thinks yeah. he's a god. And you know? now he he doesn't know what he's in for. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was really good. The art was fantastic. It's a buy it for me as well. I really enjoyed like when Red Sonia came in and they're like, oh, the the Old, I can't remember what they called them, like the old and wise mystics want to talk to you. And she was like, oh, are they old and wise? And they were like, nah, they're just kind of old. And she came in <laughs> yeah, and they were like, like, congratulations, you're the queen. See ya. Right. And that <laughs> and whole thing like, was fun. Wait, what? <laughs> it was really good. So that is a double buy-up for Daredevil number one and a double buy-up for Red Sonya number one. We will post our written reviews over at TwoHeadedNerd.com so gingers and blind peeps can reference them and curse our names for years to come. They're both gingers. I didn't even think about that. Oh, they are both gingers, aren't they? And you may have noticed that we did actually post written reviews. That's right. If you go to TwoHeadedNerd.com, you won't be disappointed. It's all happening. Well, we were wrong about the Super Bowl, but there's good and bad news. The good news is the game was so damn boring that viewership was way down. It's true. The bad news is that Matt made a sizable wager at the Mojo vs. Casino, and now we've got ex-babies hunting us down to collect. It's more serious than it sounds. Yes. Matt, we better beat feet out of here while we review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Oberon, number one from Aftershock. The former king of the fairies, Oberon, has been exiled to Earth, and he's planning to kidnap an innocent little girl to use as his weapon of revenge. This is a fun, never-ending story-type fantasy of a nerdy little girl being pulled into a fantasy world with a solid script by Ryan Parrott and art that reminded me very much of the 90s cross-gen fantasy titles. If I say fantasy again, I want you to slap me, okay? By Mills Slakovic. There we go. Cross-Gen wasn't around until the 2000s, but I'll allow it. Oh, I guess you're right. It would have been early 2000s, yeah. right? Oberon is a great young adult fantasy, perfect to read with your daughter, or in my case, a little pug named Mabel. I'm giving it a buy it. Female Furries, number one from DC. <laughs> Female Furies features Jack Kirby's elite fighting force waging a feminist battle against Darkseid's patriarchal dictatorship. 
Writer Cecil Castellucci brings a lot of depth to what I always consider to be nothing more than a fun group of B-list villains. I would say a ridiculous group of B-list villains. I love them, though. <laughs> Showing the rampant sexism and abuse that Granny Goodness and her charges deal with living on Apocalypse and the unbreakable bond that forms between them. Adriana Mello does a fantastic job with her bombastic art. She even switches it up in the flashback scene, so the uh, the paneling, even the coloring, it all kind of looks old style. I really liked it. Oh, neat. Female Furies number one was a surprising and enjoyable read. I'm giving it a buy it. Vindication number one from Image slash Top Cow. Top Cow stalwart Matt Hawkins is listed as a creator here, but M.D. Marie writes this story about a white cop obsessed with a black man deemed wrongfully accused of a murder and released from prison. This cop drama takes place modern day with the racial tensions of L.A. between police and the black community as the backdrop. The script isn't bad, but... It does become pretty heavy-handed at times to get its own point across. While this could be leading to a compelling mystery right now, it seems more like a public service announcement with stiff and sometimes awkward art. I'll see where Vindication goes, but for now, issue number one gets a skim it. Gunhawks, number one from Marvel. Marvel recruits David and Maria Lapham to script their latest anniversary special, this time homaging the publisher's Western comics. The Laphams bring us the gritty tale of Dead Man Donnelly. The story is well executed, but unfortunately the ending is completely predictable, and the artist, Luca Pizzari, while decent, makes a lot of bizarre paneling choices. Yeah, normally we like him. I don't think I've ever... I don't remember. Oh, I recognize the name. I, I thought I liked him. I don't know. Screw I, that guy. Yeah, I have to give Gunhawks a skim it. The Girl in the Bay, number one from Dark Horse, Burger Books. Letterer Clem Robbins puts certain words in bold in this story, and when I read the line in my head, I can't help but yell the bold words. <laughs> you know, as I felt, uh, such as, as I felt my soul sucked out of me into the waters of Sheep's Head Bay. <laughs> it drives me nuts, but I guess that's my problem. J.M. Dematius writes a compelling murder mystery, question mark? You'll see what I mean later. I guess about a woman that returns from the dead to sort of meet herself. I'm not really sure what's going on here yet. In true DiMatteis fashion, he's wonderful with the historical perspective of the main character in the late 60s, and the mystery that's set up is certainly interesting. Corin Howell is great on pencils here, with real emotion from all her characters and some nice surreal background work. The girl in the bay seems like another nice addition to the Burger Book stable. I'm giving it a buy it. Archie, 1941, number five from Archie, if you didn't know. Yeah, and actually this issue takes place in 1944, I think. What? <laughs> well, time progressed through that, the series. Oh. I recently binge read this wonderful series from Mark Wade, Brian Augustin, and Peter Krause, and I loved every page of it. The creative team examines Archie and the gang through the lens of World War II, following the effects of real-world events on the town of Riverdale. Krause's art is straight up Rockwellian yeah, in its crazy portrayal good. of Archie and his friends and family. And Wade and Augustine's script had me in tears at points. This was a great conclusion to a series that maybe isn't getting the attention it deserves. Archie, 1941, number five, gets a buy it. Wade and Augustine haven't worked together for a very long time. They were right? writing partners throughout yeah. the 90s. They were super buddies. And it's been a long time since I've seen their names I together. I miss those guys. Yeah. Together. I miss them yeah, together. Yeah. They've been around. Old Man Quill, number one from Marvel. This book was... It was something. It, it was something. If you're not tired of reading about older versions of your favorite heroes yet, then have I got a comic for you. But honestly, this wasn't a bad story by writer Ethan Sachs and Robert Gill's art is pretty great. I just don't care about reading stories 
starring the character as an old person unless there's something hugely different going on. Here, Quill is old and drunk and pissed about a mistake he made when he was younger, but still older than the Quill running around the current Marvel U. Yeah, stay with me here. Old Man Quill is fine, and probably not a bad read for anyone missing the old Guardians team, but spoiler alert, they're old here too. Skim it. I can't wait for the <laughs> Old Man Gamora spinoff. <laughs> G.I. Joe, she still looks great, by the way. Her hair, uh, her yeah, hair yeah. is short. She looks sure. great. Mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, Sierra Muerte, number one from ID Dubs. Cobra's Michel FIFA brings his insane creative energy to a favorite childhood franchise. Through a beachside ambush, a compromised manhunt, and a revenge plan that backfires. America's fighting elite risk life, love, and honor in a brutal globe-spanning adventure. FIFA's brilliant art and storytelling style deliver a perfect love letter to my favorite 80s cartoon stars. Plus, there's a fun history of G.I. Joe's fictional geography after the story. Like, if you ever wanted to know everything about Cobra Island or Sierra Gordo, this is the book for you. If you are a nerd of a certain age like myself, G.I. Joe Sierra Muerte will push all of your buttons. Buy it. Runch! That is your ludicrous speed round in. Runch! It's also the sound of an uppercut to the naughty bits, as seen in the pages of Die, 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 number seven. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Ethan Harrison via the Teach and Facebook fan page. It's true, we have fans. And if you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week... It's true, we have fan. You can throw it at our naughty bits on any of our social media or shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. No naughty bits pictures, please. I mean, we have plenty. Unless they're <laughs> unless they're really hot. Unless you got some really kick-ass naughty <laughs> bits. Then we'll take them. Yeah. The Super Bowl is over, and Matt finds himself in full hockey mode, which means he's locked in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, drunk and screaming at the tiny players in his haunted bubble hockey game of Gordie Howe, who was not only the best all-around player of all time, but a killer bubble hockey player, even from beyond the grave, that Matt will never beat. Matt! Open the door! Come on! Let me in! Let me in and let's talk about our must-read picks for next week and no French-Canadian accents. It's insensitive. You're such a good one! No! (laughs) My pick for next week is A Savage Sword of Conan, number one from Marvel Comics. It is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Ron Garney and a cover by Alex Ross. I don't know if Alex Ross has ever painted Conan. I don't know. I don't Probably. Ever, I don't recall seeing an Alex Ross Conan. Here is your solicit. The ancient cult of Kogathan, a mystical treasure and the only man who can save the Hyborian Age! Adrift at sea, no food, no weapons. Death surely awaits him. But the lion-hearted Conan is not so easily subdued. By Krom, when Conan finds himself captured, he unleashes his might on an unsuspecting pirate crew, one whose dark secrets will plunge Conan on the... How come it's not in all caps there? Will plunge Conan... Conan! ...on a trail of an ancient treasure that may prove to be his undoing. So yeah, all new series with the curious choice of Jerry Duggan writing. I mean, maybe he's a big fan. I don't know. Eh, we don't know. But he did do a real hyper-serious crossover recently that we did not care for. So. No, but I've liked Jerry Duggan books in the past. No, he's. I'm not saying he's a bad writer. And maybe this would be great. Uh, Ron Garney, we both love him. I do like Ron Garney's art, yes. I think Ron Garney's an interesting choice as well. I know. I just got to check this out. Nah, I feel like Ron Garney's I'm got some pretty savage-looking work to him. 
do you think Marvel can sustain two monthly Conan books? I think Marvel has never met a franchise that they right? don't want to drive into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but doesn't mean it won't be good for a while it lasts. Fair enough. Joe Patrick, what's your pick for next week? They keep turning out Star Wars books. But that's Star Wars. That's fucking Star Wars. Right, I know. There's a, a little, there's a few more characters I get to it. deal with. No, there. I did. I get it. My pick for next week is Wonder Twins, number one from DC Comics, written by Mark Russell with art by Stephen Byrne. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Exiled from their home planet, alien heroes Zan and Jaina must navigate life as teens on Earth at South Metropolis High School, where they're even bigger outsiders than the typical awkward young adults. Under the watchful eye of Superman, the brother and sister pull monitor duty at the Hall of Justice as interns, while also trying to overcome the pitfalls of Zan's brash confidence and Jaina's shy but streetwise persona. How are you, how are you shy and streetwise? Well, you know, you're just quiet. You I know guess. what's going on. Yeah. If you think you know the Wonder Twins, think again. This book takes the form of the unexpected and also a pail of water. Yes. Yeah, because you got to have both. The form of an ice cube. Right. Uh, so the Wonder Twins, they are a goofy-ass concept from the 70s yeah. Super Friends cartoons, but Mark Russell has a habit of taking weird ideas and turning them to hilarious modern satires. Yeah, he made the uh, Flintstones. See, the much Flintstones. Read, like, must-read stuff. Snagglepuss. Oh, man. Yeah, I am very excited to see his take on the Wonder Twins. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Kaiju Max, the deluxe edition, hardcover, volume one from Oni Press, written and illustrated by Xander Cannon. I love him so very, very much. It is 368 pages for $59.99. Dang, that's a lot of pages. It's also a giant oversized, you know, like big yes, sucker. Big old hardcover. Here's your solicit. Up from the depths, 13 inches high. That's like the old Godzilla things <laughs> yeah, they're doing. Yeah. Breathing fire. It's head in the sky. It's the Kaiju Max Kaiju size double deluxe hardcover. Collecting the first 12 issues in oversized full color glory. This is the epic pitch black candy colored kaiju prison comic that once and for all points out the folly of man. Oh man. Damn! Follow Electragore, Mechazon, Warden Kang, the creature from Devil's Creek, Cristato, Helmoth, Jiang, and more as they negotiate the harsh rules of prison. I should have read this one first before I. Yeah, read, yeah, read. yep. The perils of the kaiju black market and the allure of the illicit uranium trade. From the depths of the old gods, Kraken House, to Team Great's Orbital Laser Satellite. From the, Am I reading a sentence? Yes. Okay. From the 1960s to modern day, the furious, anguished, or triumphant roars of Kaiju Max inmates will ring in your ears for all time. I love Kaiju Max. It's fantastic. It's so good. Imagine Pokemon at its darkest. Well, no, it's like Godzilla. <laughs> They're like Godzilla monsters. Yeah, but like they all have names like Some Pokemon of kind of. Well, and stuff. And I like, mean. There's trainers and shit. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. It's so good. And so cool. I think 60 bucks for a 360 page huge hardcover. Oh, yeah. Not bad. And Xander Cannon is stupid talented. He is. So there you have our picks for Wednesday, February 13th. But we want to know, hey, that's the day before Valentine's Day. It's true. What are you going to get me for Valentine's? I don't know. We haven't been very good this year. So. Mm, it's not Christmas, dude. Maybe you start giving it up. You'll get some more gifts. Huh? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah! We want to know what you nerds are reading, too. So after you're done wondering how the hell Scooby-Doo Apocalypse has made it to issue 30 fucking it's four, insane. let us know what you plan on reading next week or hit us up on any of our social networking platforms. But 
don't forget to make sure all your picks are added to your pull file or the ghost of Gordy Howe will come to your house and cross-check your whole collection. And while I don't know what cross-checking is, I bet it knocks all your comics down to very good slash fine condition at best. If you're lucky. Pay attention, American jerks. There's a whole world of comic fans out there, and we just happen to know one from England. Now, keep in mind, he speaks British, so he's a little hard to understand. Yeah. But it's great to get other points of view, so let's check in with our man in the UK, live from Mushroom Manor, it's stately Lord Fungus. Live from Mushroom Manor, I am Stately Lord Fungus. This is Tales from the Manor, Episode 3. And if she knew what she wants, he'd be giving it to her, giving it to her. It's cold here in the UK at the moment. Not quite polar vortex day after tomorrow cold, but it's enough to make your nipples hard and your penis invert. I spend the winter months mostly with my wife Gailey, reading comic books, watching movies and building non-commercial satellite defence systems for S.H.I.E.L.D. In between jobs we bake, go for long romantic walks, and we teach chickens Welsh. I must admit to having quite the soft spot for old Brenda, the chicken I first taught to speak entirely in mystical script. Her clucks were the stuff of legend in the village, and she could often be found enchanting local school children, or raising mighty undead hordes during a blood moon. Clever little thing she was. It's such a shame she decided to become a voiceover chicken for Entertainment Weekly. She choked to death introducing the cast of Black Panther at the Emmys. So far this season, I've talked about the awfulness of the mid-season break and the UK comic scene in the 70s and 80s. So I thought I'd STF you and see what Gailey made of this week's genre offerings. Over to you. Thank you. I watched Velvet Buzzsaw last night on Netflix and I knew nothing about it at all, but I saw that it had Jake Gyllenhaal in it. So I thought, well, I'm going to watch it anyway, regardless, because I love him. So, And at first, I was about half an hour in, and I thought, okay, it's a sort of funny, satire arty, weird little film. I thought, okay, I can watch it, it's fine. The characters were really interesting. And then, bam, it just suddenly turns into a completely different film. It's like a supernatural horror art film. It's really quite weird. But Jern Hall is absolutely fantastic, as always. And the rest of the cast were really good as well. And it's nice to see a British actress called Zor Ashton. And I like her. She was in one of my favourite British programmes called Fresh Meat. Check out Fresh Meat if you have that over there. It's really good. I won't spoil the ending of the film, but there are some very inventive deaths. So it's uh, well worth a watch if you want something a little bit different. So check it out. And then I went back to the Hellmouth once again. And I read Buffy won the reboot. Now, I always worry when I hear the word reboot. I hate that word. And especially if it's one of my favourite ever characters. I am just a huge Buffy fan. I always have been. So it was with quite a lot of trepidation that I read it, I'll be honest. So everything is the same. It's the same Buffy, same Scoobies, same Giles, but set now. Um, there's a little nod to Willow's witchiness and then there's the surprise character at the end. Everything seems the same. They talk the same. It's very familiar. So it's really comforting in a way for long-term fans like me. It's like finding an old blanket again that's a bit musty and you give it a wash and then it's all nice and cuddly again and you remember all the good times you had with it. 
that's what it felt like to me. You had good times with the blankie. I had good times with the blankie. Okay. Blankie Buffy. Yeah. It was a sock for it, me, but, yeah. you know, each to their own. But, I don't know, I just didn't feel it. I, there was nothing wrong with it. The artwork was amazing. The writing was good. But I just didn't feel that it actually needed a reboot. It was good. It was well written. It looked great. But, as a Buffy fan, was it needed? No. It's a no from me. We also saw the return of Star Trek Discovery and its comedy spin-off, The Orville, uh, along with the first sneaky peek at Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. I finally started reading Fables after about 10 years of being behind everybody else, and somebody left the cake out in the rain. So, drums roll, cymbals crash, and babies are made, as we return for the first time this year with The Queen's English. This week's word has been chosen by our special guest, Gailey, and is one that I'm sure our psychic listeners already knew was coming. Uppishman. It means a sulk, or somebody who just can't take a fucking joke. In context, Aye lass, look thine eyes over yonder and see with detest the wretched Uppishman eating out of a car door and clutching his most brown of satchels. <laughs> That's... That's all from us this time, but we'll be back next month with a 45-minute episode entirely devoted to Ambushbug and why beige is the right choice for any downstairs toilet. So until then, this is Stately and Gailey saying stay alive this winter by setting fire to trash and sleeping under giant lamps like moths with a hard-on. Excelsior! it for THN 517 but before we get out of here Joe Patrick ask these nerds a new heady question of yeah. the week this week's question comes from our good buddy Chase Magnet see he's smart he is yeah. smarter than us what is one superhero comic pay attention now superhero don't be, don't be coming at us with preacher and shit yeah 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 what is one superhero comic that you wish was added to high school English curriculums hmm spawn definitely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cyberfrog. Cyberfrog, mm. sorry. You know, we can all agree it's safe, it's white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> alt-right. <laughs> if you're new to this show and you're wondering how you sat through this crap, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough of this garbage. The good news is you can hear the entire run of the THN in our digital longbox archive at twoheadednerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, we're talking like, what? Almost 800 episodes? It's stupid amount. It's yeah, it's stupid. Real and it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas? Yeah. He sounds made up. Hey, he's one of our he's one of our big ticket boys. I mean, if he's paying, he must be real. Yeah. <laughs> Imaginary friends don't pay a shit. Sure. Thank you, Andrew. We don't have a show without guys like you. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Kyle Fox. The test results are in and the baby is yours. You oh! are the father. Oh! Kyle and the Mrs. Fox gave this is birth. This run around and start pulling weaves out. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle and Mrs. Fox <laughs> gave birth to a bouncing baby girl this week. Ten fingers, ten toes, we presume. And everyone is happy and healthy. Word to you, Fox family, and your new edition. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just start clipping digits off your kids. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. <laughs>